We are in the last ser- uh, sermon of our series called Conversations, and what we've been talking about is that God wants to have a conversation with us. And a lot of times we will ask God questions, and you might uh, be here today because uh, you, you have some questions for God. You know, why, why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Um, how come we lost her at such a young age or what, whatever? And I'm here to tell you that God is not uh, afraid of those questions. He's not intimidated by them. He's not upset with them. I think he would only add that let's engage in a conversation and rather than just try to make it this drive-by questioning. And so in the Bible, it's really interesting to me that God has a lot of questions for us. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is talking about those questions. Uh, he says, uh, who do you say that I am? He says, uh, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? He says, uh, who told you you were naked? You know, all, all these things, God wants to get into a, a conversation with us. And so this morning, we're going to continue in that. Before we do, I just wanted to mention what happened last week in our family, because I, I, I didn't uh, mention this, but that's my daughter and some guy, and um, <laughs> Jack, and uh, they got married last week, and uh, for, if you didn't get invited, don't feel bad. They, they packed out the whole place with their friends, like, I, I barely got invited, uh, and, but when you pay for it, you get invited. And so, uh, so anyway, they're, they're out uh, gallivanting around Alaska on bikes. Like, they're riding road bikes, which when on my honeymoon, I ate and, and, and sat around. But anyway, um, we're not going to get into all the details of that. Okay. Uh, so we're in, we're in conversations. When I was, uh, after I'd gotten married and back from that awesome honeymoon, um, I, I started playing basketball at this park that was by our house. We, we lived in Lamita, and we, I'd go to this park in Carson uh, to play basketball. And, um, um, and so you just got to kind of get an idea. You, you can see me. I, I'm, I'm 5'10" if I've been hanging upside down for an hour. Like, that will stretch me enough to get me to 5'10". I'm just, like, barely there. And um, when I jump, it's about as high as, like, three magazines stacked on top of each other. So I had no business being at the park playing basketball, and more specifically, this particular park, uh, because everybody there was really, really, really good at basketball, and also extremely tall. And so... um, I was playing in this one particular game. It's the only game I remember of all the games I played there. And what I tried to do was there was this guy who was about 6'4", and he played in college and uh, for a little time at a, at a junior college. And he was driving to the lane, and I thought, because I'm, I'm brilliant, I thought, I'm going to take a charge, right? So I just, like, planted there, and I was waiting to take the charge, and then it's a turn, turnover, and if you've been watching basketball or follow it at all. Um, so I jumped in front of him to kind of challenge him, and he dunked over me. <laughs> like, over me. Like, I literally sat there like this, and it was like, what? Where'd he go? And all I heard was, ooh, like everybody watching. I got dunked over, okay? Not on, over, Okay? Theologically, this is what Jesus is going to do to this guy in the Bible in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about. 
This is what they call in the Bible a challenge and repost. It's just fancy language that I brought up because Scott is a religious studies major at Westmont. And I tried that and was failing those classes, so I switched to business. So I just wanted to let him know. Okay, it took me longer, but I got it, okay? Uh, but that's what this is. What would happen in this particular uh, environment is you'd have a rabbi or a teacher, and someone would stand up to challenge that rabbi or teacher. And that is the challenge. And then the way they respond is the repost. And it, it, it happened all, you know, with the rabbis. It's kind of a rabbinic thing that would happen there, this challenge and repost. And the reason I bring it up is not to be fancy, but to show you what happens, how the heart of Jesus in, in this challenge and repose. Because Jesus, if, if I were challenged, if, if somebody stood up and just challenged me right now, the only thing on my mind would be to win the argument, okay? I'm super competitive. I'm just a dude. And, and I would just be thinking while you're talking, I would be thinking of my response like any good husband would do in a relationship. Uh, and, and, so, and so it's this challenge and, and, and response. And the way Jesus handles this is not only brilliant, it's also pretty awesome. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And it's going to take us a while to get to the question that Jesus asks. But this lawyer, and, and not the way you and I think of a lawyer, like it's not he doesn't have like a, you know, a whole bunch of eights on his phone number. On he's on the side of a bus. It's it's a um, he's a, a expert in the law in, in the Bible. Okay, he's an expert in the law. So here's what happens. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. You know, what's interesting about this word test. The only other time it's used in the New Testament is to say is the scripture that says, "Do not te- put the Lord your God to the test." And guess what this dude's doing? He's putting the Lord, our God, to the test. He's, he's testing Jesus. And basically, it's are you really who, who you say, are all you're cracked up to be? And so that's what he does. And here's the question he asks. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he's not having a, uh, a, a salvation experience here. He's not actually asking the question because he wants to accept Jesus, if he would even, didn't even have that terminology back then. What he's doing is he's challenging, he knows Jesus' answer already, and he's working his way through this challenge. And the way Jesus handles this is his repost. And, and, and the, the idea when you get challenged is to keep your opponent off balance the entire time so that you don't lose uh, the challenge. So he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus does a, a classic kind of turnaround and he says, what is written in the law? How, how does it read to you? How do you read it? Okay, so Jesus now puts it back on him. Now, the way this guy answers is so awesome because you can tell he's been around Jesus. He answers it with what they call the Shema, or what, and, and, but he adds one other phrase that Jesus adds. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That, that's in the Old Testament. That's in Deuteronomy. But then he adds with all your mind. Jesus adds that as well when he quotes it, Okay. And then he adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has been going all throughout Palestine preaching sermons. And this, without a doubt, has come up before. And this guy knows this. And this is all part of his plan to challenge Jesus. He uses Jesus' own words. He's kind of setting it up. So the way this would look like in today's times, if you're a Democrat or a Republican and you're really into it, and you kind of have your arguments, you you know how to navigate. While someone begins to 
talk about the other side, you're sitting there like, oh, I have got some nuggets that are going to blow this guy away. You're like, wait till I get to these facts. Wait till, oh man. And, and you start weaving the conversation. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, uh, would you know this? And you're just waiting. You just, you're like back like this. And then it's just like, these are the statistics. Bam. And yay, I win. This is what this guy's doing. Kind of. Okay. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, Jesus ends the whole thing right here. Oh, you've answered it correctly. Do this and you'll live. Great job. Challenge and repose over. Conversation over. But not for this guy. Because his original thing was to challenge Jesus, to test Jesus, and, and you don't want it to end like this, okay? And so, wanting to justify himself, like why did he stand up in the first place to appear righteous, he asked Jesus, okay, smarty pants, who's my neighbor? Now it's back on Jesus. The way Jesus answers this particular question, I think is important for anyone who's just even starting out following God. As a matter of fact, it's my prayer that by the time we get done with this story, you will see your life with God differently. You will see where you work differently, where you go to school differently, your house differently, and your neighborhood differently. What I, what I hope to do this morning is go through the way Jesus answers this particular question and leave you with some tools that this particular week you can actually hear the voice of God and obey and bring what, and I'll explain this in a little bit, and bring shalom to where you are. Shalom is just the Hebrew word for peace, and it, it, it's, it's not just the absence of war. It's the weaving together the tapestry of the way things are supposed to be. It's, it's, it's what's right. It's, it's the original plan, if you will. And so, so when you bring shalom to a place, you're not just saying, let's not fight. You're bringing healing. What, what we're doing next week when we do Be the Church, we're bringing shalom to that house. We're, we're bringing the kingdom of God there. And I'm, what I'm hoping will happen is that by the end of this, when we see how Jesus slows this story down and begins to expand it, you'll go away this week being able to say, you know what? I think I can bring the kingdom of God into where I work. You know, it's interesting what Jesus does. <clears throat> when, the, when the lawyer ends with, um, when he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus answers that's it. You got it. That is the kingdom of God. And for some of you who might be visiting church, maybe you haven't been here in a while or you've left the church and you've been wounded by the church and now, now you're back and you're just trying to figure it out. Jesus himself says, this is all that matters. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I would imagine that if you were wounded by a church, um, uh, they probably forgot that. Or they made it about that and something else. Or they, 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 they made it about, well, yes, it's that, but then you also have to be a part of this elite team or something like that. And Jesus is here to tell you that is not true. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then as this lawyer asks, well, then who's my neighbor? I wonder if Jesus just kind of started smiling like, oh, great. I get a chance to make this right. So here's what he says. 
In reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, um, if you've ever been in Pastor Bob's class on how to read the Bible, uh, or you've been going to his wild ride, which is essentially on Thursday nights for four weeks, um, Bob goes over and he's going to tell the entire story of the Bible in four-week chunks. And the cool thing about that is that you don't have to go to all four weeks. So if you're like, man, that sounds like something I'd like to do. This Thursday is the end of the first four weeks. You could just go to it and you'll you'll be fine. But what Bob says, and and I agree with him, is that when the Bible slows down, we need to slow down. In other words, when all of a sudden you're reading something and you're seeing a lot of different facts and little details, that's a clue for us as readers of the Bible to slow down. Jesus could have started it off like this and said, uh, a man was beat up, okay? But he didn't. He said, Jerusalem to Jericho. He said he was attacked by robbers on the road. This is really important because Jesus is building tension and he wants you to feel a certain way. So if I told you, um, I was on a trip from Beverly Hills to Watts, you'd, you'd be thinking in your head, well, those are two unique places. Like, why would he be doing that? What, what, what is he, he trying to say? If I were to say, um, I, was in, I, was, I spent all my life on a farm and then I moved to the big city, you'd, you'd paint this picture in your mind. And this is what Jesus is doing. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, most likely what he's saying is because the city of origin was Jerusalem, the hearers would think, oh, he's a Jew. Okay, and he's, he's kind of stepping out uh, d- down, to, down to Jericho. And so um, that's what Jesus says. And he goes on, he says, they stripped him of all his clothes, which would have been incredibly humiliating uh, Uh, for Jesus to include that detail at that particular time to be naked was a really big humiliation in an honor-shame society. And, um, I mean, it is now too, but uh, not nearly as much as it was then. So they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Now, Jesus wants you to feel a certain injustice that has taken place. He wants you to feel like, man... He wants you asking, well, what's going to happen to this guy? Is he going to make it? Is he going to live? Is someone going to help him? What, what, you know, what's going on? And, so, and, and right now, the lawyer's like, I'm getting dunked on right now theologically. I can just tell. Okay. So uh, he goes on, leaving him half dead. And he gives some more details. A priest happened to be going by, uh, going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, before we give the priest uh, a whole bunch of uh, hassle for not helping this guy, if he thought the guy was dead, he would not be allowed to, by the law, touch him. He would make himself unclean. And so to go around on the other side, that he could have been trying to do the right thing. It's not necessarily that this guy's an evil priest. He's just, this is what the institutional religion is providing for this man at this point. He goes on. So too, a Levite, when he came to a place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Basically, institutional religion has failed, is failing this man. Nobody's there to help him. And what I'm hoping to see by the time we get done with, with, with where Jesus just takes the story in this unbelievably bizarre direction for the hearers is that you will understand that you... And I, as individuals, 
now corp- coming corporately together. We are the church. It's not an institutional rela- religion. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in your and my life as we go out in our day to day. Now, that might frighten you, and you might think, boy, I'm not the one for that. I kind of like the institution part because I can send someone to a podcast or I can invite them to church and kind of have the church do that kind of stuff. But what I'm hoping to show you in just a little bit that you can do it, and you probably will have an opportunity to do it this week. And it probably won't be as hard as you think it's going to be to bring shalom, to bring the kingdom of God to wherever you're at. So here's what he says. So he says, the priest goes, priest doesn't see him. The Levite goes, the Levite doesn't see him. And then he just drops the hammer on the story. And he says, but a Samaritan. Like you, we can't, we can't feel what they would have felt like. So here's what I'm going to try to do. To the Democrats in our church, imagine if I were telling the story. And I, I was saying, you know, this person failed him and this person failed him. But, but then guess who showed up? George Bush. <laughs> right? That feeling that you feel as a Democrat, like, no, he did. He wouldn't have done that. You know, I, I, I bet he wouldn't even know where Jericho is. You know, like, like that feeling, that's how they felt. Okay? When he said a Samaritan, it was like, there's no way. Let's say you're a Republican, okay? And I tell the story. And I go, this person didn't do it, and this person didn't. But then Hillary showed up, and she saved this guy. And you'd be like, the cameras were probably rolling. That's why she did it. You know, it's like, it's like you know, you just, like, because you just can't. It just doesn't feel right to you as a Republican. Okay. Let's say uh, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan and Tom Brady comes down the thing. You wouldn't believe that. Um, let's say you haven't spent time in prison and, uh, and it's a Raider fan, okay? Uh, uh, or I, I, just, I just put a bunch in here because I think I've covered the gamut uh, for, you, for you soccer fans uh, Luis Suarez comes in. Um, I ended with this one because it's just, I just never get tired of it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, he's on a Segway, which wouldn't even go on the rocky roads to Jericho. So, anyway. um, Oh, no, I have have one more just because it makes me smile. But... uh, Here's the, here's the point Jesus is making, okay? And I, I hope I've equally offended everybody, um, which was what my goal was. I'm going to get a letter, you know. You know. He did, okay, I was, okay. Just insert the person that you would think could not perform the next part of the thing. Insert whatever it is. I mean, you know, if you love a certain team and you hate a certain team, insert the quarterback or the point guard or whatever for that team. I, th- th- this is the point Jesus is trying to make. But, but, but I want to look just a little bit deeper. Because when we talk about who we would least expect to help, And we make it for today, oftentimes with many of the Christians I talk to, they insert their own name in there. They say, do do kingdom work to bring shalom, like make a difference? 
You could insert my name. I'm not qualified for that. Did you see my, you didn't, you didn't see my week last week. You didn't see how I responded in anger. You didn't see uh, what those thoughts I had. You didn't see, you know, the way I'd worked this business deal. That wasn't quite the right way. You didn't hear my language. And I, I'm here to tell you, and we'll see this in just a, a little bit. You, you, you can insert your name here. As a matter of fact, this is what I love about Jesus in a challenge and repost. As I said, if you challenged me, I would just want to win. I'd want to just be right. And Jesus wants you to get it right. He's interested in the teaching moment of, the, of that particular thing. And as we'll see at the end, when he gets done, it's like, you can do this. So what's the story? Well, the Samaritan comes, and uh, there are some really key points, and this is why we're slowing it way down, okay? How do we, how do we help? How are we a servant? How do we uh, fulfill our mission as Living Spring to reach and restore and respond to a community around us? Who's our neighbor? He says this, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. This is so key. If you don't remember anything from the sermon, remember this. Ministry happens while you're on your way. It happens in the day-to-day. It happens when you're just sitting at work and all of a sudden an opportunity comes. When you're in a conversation with somebody. This guy was traveling. He had no, he wasn't, he had a destination to go to. When I travel, I have one thing in my mind. Get to where I'm going. My family, who loves me and has traveled with me, will assure you that I have one thing on my mind. To get to where I'm going. That is my thing. I'm not a good, oh, hey, let's stop over here and smell some flowers. It's like, we can smell flowers when we get there. You can pee when we get there. We, we just have to get there, Okay. This came up when we were, um, we took a trip down south and uh, we were driving through some southern states and there was a woman on the side of the road who was mentally, uh, you could tell she was kind of mentally ill and she was struggling and all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, don't see her, don't see her, don't see her, I don't see her, I don't know anything, I'm on vacation, right, you know, and my family's like, you know, because they're Christians, um, (laughs) they're like, they're like, hey, did you see that lady? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I said lady, lady. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, we're on a, we're on a, I, I'm on vacation. Okay. I do that for a living. Okay. That now it's me time. Okay. It's not ministry time. And so, and so they convinced me, like I said, because my wife's mother, Teresa, my girls, are, you know, it's just like, we turn around, we, we pick her up, we take her to where she was going and she turned out to be fine. But my point is this, I, I went, I, this is me. And if we're not careful, we will miss this week. I'll bet, and if, as I look out over here, each of you will have three or four ministry shalom opportunities that if you're too worried about your destination, you're going to miss the opportunity to have an effect in somebody's life, to bring the kingdom, to bring shalom. And so, and so like, as I said, this guy was traveling. This is just, it's like as he was on his job, as he was going to class, as he was, you know, um, uh, trying to get to that job interview, as he was, you know, going to talk to that girl or that guy or whatever, as he traveled, this is so key to get, that these things happen just day to day, okay? So that's uh, 
one thing. He came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He, he actually empathized with what was going on with the guy. Now, this can be hard as we go into our lives, right? Because there are some people who have been wounded that don't respond by just submitting and lying down and being helped. They're wounded. They were wounded when they were very little, and that manifests itself in some really unhealthy ways, and it's hard to have pity on those people. But here's what I wrote down, and I I didn't put it on a slide, and I said I would this service, and I, I forgot. Here's what I wrote down. Pity is allowing others' stories to shape your perspective. Pity is allowing others' stories. You find out what is their story, and you allow it to shape your perspective. Maybe you have a certain type of person that you've shoved into a really small narrative. And we, we named a few of them. You know, maybe you think of all Democrats this way, or all Republicans this way, or all people from Canada this way. I don't know, whatever your thing is. You just, you have people. Pity allows you to go, you know, I wonder if there's more to the story than just that label. I wonder if they're more than just their ethnicity. I want to know their story. And so you begin to have it shape your, shape your perspective. And that's pity. And so the guy feels that. And, and that might be hard in your ministry context. As you go to school, there might be a bully in school. And it's really hard for you to go, oh, you know what? I'll bet, he, I'll bet his parents are really lame and that's why he's lashing out. It's like, you just don't want to get punched. I, I get that. Maybe you have a bully at work, whatever. But this is what happens when, when the heart of Jesus begins to well up in you and you find yourself in this weird thing of like, I think I'm supposed to bring shalom into this situation. Well, then he takes it one step farther. So it's as he traveled, he goes to the guy. He, he, I mean, uh, as he travels, he sees him and he has pity on him. And then he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. Now, I, you know, you guys know me long enough. I'm kind of a germaphobe and I don't even like talking about injuries. If someone's telling me, oh, and then my arm split open, I'm like, you know, I just like, I'm done. You know, it's like, please stop talking. Like, I go into shock just, just, by, just by, by, by hearing it. But this guy went down and he, and, and like in the mess, like he got into the mess. I, I, this just hit me. I, I wrote this down this week and I haven't been able to get, get it out of my mind. When I, and I just think the Lord is, is, gave me this way to remember it for me. Uh, it's one thing to feel pity. It's another to get dirty. Like you can feel pity, but until that guy got off his donkey, he was no different than the priest or the Levite. Like he could go, man, that's so sad. What a sad thing. When I get down to Jericho, I'm going to get on a payphone and make sure, because they, they didn't have cell phones back then. Uh, I'm going to get on a payphone and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call and make sure somebody goes and takes care of that for him. He felt pity. And it's one thing to feel pity, but until you start to get dirty, until you're down there in the, in the mess of it. And man, just between you and I, because I know there's no one like that here, aren't wounded people messy a lot of times? Like, doesn't it get complicated? Like, aren't, aren't wounded people just hard to deal with sometimes? And yet Jesus says, you know what? I want, this is where I want you. I want, you, I want you in the dirt of it all. 
And so as you go into this week, you, you can already begin to see a picture that you're qualified for this stuff. You just, you just have to notice it when you're, when you're on your way, when you're traveling, when you're in a conversation. And, and you just have to take pity, understand the story. Maybe by hearing their story, you'll, it'll change your perspective. And then you, you, you're going to have to get dirty. And then this is what he does, which is so cool. Um, he, he, puts, uh, he puts, pours on oil and, and wine. Oil would just be a kind of a healing salve for the, the wound, and the wine would be a disinfectant. But the thing is, the, the key to this is that he was prepared for his journey. He had access to these things. Like, like he, 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 he had them with him, for him. And now they're going to be used for something else. Now imagine, imagine if the Holy Spirit gave you certain gifts, certain strengths, certain things that, that you've benefited from. They, they've, been, they've been great things for you. You know the word maybe, or, or maybe you're brand new, you're brand new to Christianity and, 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 and you're just kind of understanding this God thing, but you kind of sense, man, I think I have faith in God like that's stronger than other people. Those are, you're prepared, you've got these things with you and now you enter into a situation. Maybe someone's gossiping. And because you've been gifted somehow with self-control, you're a very disciplined person, you say, I'm not going to participate in that. And now you've brought shalom to that because you were prepared. And this is what this guy does. Now, this guy could have gone, oh, I, that's mine. Like, I only brought enough for me. So I, I, got, I don't have time to be all, you know, maybe, I don't know if you've ever had anyone ask you for money and you're thinking, man, I saved that money for me. I, I, I was going to, you know, I was going to use that to, buy something. I, like, now they need it. I don't, uh, I don't know. I was prepared and they're not prepared. That might be a little spot where the, where the Holy Spirit might say, you need to bring shalom here. Maybe you get to work on time and the person you work with doesn't get to work on time and now you have to cover for that person for 15 minutes. You just brought shalom to your workplace because you covered for that person. You didn't say anything about it. You just said, I, I, I'll take care of it. You were prepared and you were using your preparedness to bring shalom. You travel. It happens all the time. It's going, to happen. it's going to happen this week at work. Can you understand the story of the person? Maybe try to understand where their perspective is coming from. Can you get dirty? You know, can you go, man, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to talk to that person right now. It's like, well, it's time to talk to them. And then are you prepared uh, to offer anything? And then this is what he does. He puts the man on his own donkey. And when I read the Bible, I like, to, uh, I like to create images in my mind. And I think that's what you're supposed to do as a, as a reader of the word. You're supposed to really, because they're stories and things like that. And I always try to think uh, spatially. Like, where's, how did the guy, how did he get the guy on his donkey? He probably had to, like, muscle the dude on and now all the bandage and oil and wine and stuff is all on him and I'm just like I don't want to touch that dude okay and then he takes him and he's just like gets him on the donkey but the thing that broke my heart the thing that just really thought man this is the heart of Jesus is what he did next he walked alongside that man now his journey becomes more difficult he's off his donkey and he's trying to navigate, and he's walking alongside this man. Your shalom this week might be that you just come alongside somebody, and you just walk with them. And you just go, yeah, you know what? What you're going through really sucks, and I'm sorry. I just, I'll just be with you, you know. 
we can, do, we can all do that. He, he, didn't, he didn't see the man and start quoting like the Old Testament to him. He picked him up, he put him on a donkey, and then he walks alongside. Maybe, maybe your shalom this week is walking alongside somebody. Then he brings him to the inn, and he takes care of him, okay? And then check this out. This one just blew me away. The next day, he took the two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he says, look after them. That's like two days' wages. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What if the guy orders room service? <laughs> right? He's got like two side orders of bacon. Have you ever ordered uh, orange juice at a, at, a, at, a, uh, at a hotel? It's like $1,400. <laughs> like, it's expensive. The guy's got like one of the in robes on. He's like, I got this at the gift shop. You know, like, like what a risk this guy took. He's got a robe. That was stupid. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. I'll reimburse you for any extra expense. Listen, he might be taken advantage of. Can you believe that? You do kingdom work, you're on your way, and all of a sudden you see this person, and you're trying to do your best, and you're offering encouraging words, and maybe you get taken advantage of. Do you know your Heavenly Father knows that, and He can be trusted to get you back? He can be trusted. And so He says you can have uh, any, any extra expense you have, and then Jesus just turns the whole thing upside down, and this is where He theologically dunks on this guy. Um, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? See how he changes the question? See, let me go. I, 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 I kind of shortened it down to, for a little review. The lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, who do you think was a neighbor? In other words, it's anyone you offer the kingdom to. It's anyone you come alongside of. It's anyone you see uh, something that needs to be bandaged. It's any time you say, you know what, I'm just going to offer an encouraging word to this person. They're caustic in my workplace, but I'm just going to tell them, hey, you, you know, you, you, you work hard or something. It's kind of on us to be a neighbor, I think, is what Jesus is saying. And next week, this is what we're going to try to do as a church, as an institution. But make no mistake, it's going to be all of us just doing small little things that carry the big load of this house we're going to see. And, and you, you'll walk up. I was with Cece this week at the house, and we drove up to it, and I just collapsed and started sucking my thumb, okay? And I just curled up, and, and, and she had to pick me up and put me in my car. Okay, it was just... Like, it's overwhelming when you think about it from just your perspective. But then as I began to think of all of us kind of going on and we're grabbing debris and all this kind of stuff and putting it in a dumpster, kind of in my mind's eye, I'm like, we can do this together. The kingdom of God is the same way. You look at your workplace and you think, there's no way it's going to change. But just do the one little thing that God is asking you to do in that moment. Speak a word. Don't speak a word. <laughs> which is probably what you're going to have to do most of the time, right? And, and that's where we go. So uh, he says, the one who had mercy on him, and as Adra comes back up, um, 
Jesus just has these really clear words to all of us. And this is why I appreciate so much. Jesus wasn't trying to be right with this guy. He wasn't trying to win the argument. He was saying, this is the answer to your question. This is the kingdom. Now go and do likewise. Now you go do it. So I just have this quick review. And when I'm done, you can snap a picture of it if you want. um, And then you have it. But it's just a little reminder for you this week. As you go, this is probably where the kingdom of God is going to hit you. Uh, It came as he traveled. In other words, he wasn't going to do ministry. It just kind of was a really big inconvenience for him. Look at your inconveniences and see if there's kingdom work to be done there. As he traveled. The second thing he did is he took, he took pity, allowing other stories to shape their perspective. Maybe this week, the only thing you do is you just try to find out some people at work, find out their stories to help it shape your perspective. He bandaged wounds. Maybe it's time for you to get dirty a little bit with, with some people around you and be around them, even though they're wounded and annoying and hard to deal with. You just say, you know what, I'm just going to uh, stick around. Maybe... Um, you need to be prepared, you know, to be able to, like, what would I even say? What word of encouragement should I say? I don't know. Maybe you should be prepared for that before you go, something like that. Um, and then uh, put him on his docking. Maybe there's someone you need to walk alongside uh, this week. And, um, and then uh, paid, paid, paid uh, for the end. Maybe there's a place you need to take some risk. So um, for a little bit, we'll just leave that up there so that you can... Uh, snap photo or whatever if you don't write that well. Um, we're going to take a little bit of time. Audra is going to end with a song. And um, So when I wasn't standing up here and I was sitting down there before I was a pastor uh, at a sermon like this, uh, there was usually a time when the Holy Spirit uh, brought someone to my mind and I went, ah, <laughs> like, like, out loud. Like, no, 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 no. Anything but that. Anyone but that. I'm not giving that person a word of encouragement. They spend enough time encouraging themselves. Trust me. They don't need any more encouragement. But this is the time to kind of wrestle with God a little bit on that. And, and, and maybe you just go, Lord, okay, if you're asking me to bring shalom into this thing, give me the strength to do it. Give me the right time. Help me so it's not that messy, please, you know, whatever. But this is the time for that, to, to reflect on the word of God and to reflect on what you think God might be telling you to do and to just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this week. Maybe you don't have anything uh, like that. And so your, your prayer is just like, Lord, I'd kind of like the adventure of, of, of being somewhere and all of a sudden going, I think this is the time I'm supposed to bring shalom, you know. And so maybe that's what you pray. But um, that's one of the things we do. And the other thing we do is we fill out our connection card during this time. And we like to get one of those from every family, like Bob said. And on the bottom, you can put a prayer request, and we'll pray for that during the week. And then we take our offering as well. As uh, Pastor Bob said, we don't pass a plate. Uh, Many people give online. um, But if this is a time when you... Uh, prepare a check or cash. We do that now, and then at the end, we put all the cards and all that stuff in a box in the back. And we are just so grateful for your generosity to allow us to do what we do together, to be able to fix up homes and stuff like that. We can't, we can't do it without you guys being generous, so we thank you for that. Let me pray, and then uh, Ajua will close us up. Lord, uh, some of these things are difficult, um, and some of these things 
are difficult, more difficult uh, for others than they are for us. We don't like the sight of blood or we can't lift heavy objects or whatever it is. That when we get into our, our work environment and the stress of that or school and the stress of that or our neighborhood or our relationships, in the midst of that, it's hard to, to turn it around and to try to bring shalom. But I, we just pay, pray for strength. In Jesus' name, amen.